discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. welcome you may take your seats yeah are you excited to be in the house of the lord yeah so i want us to do question and answers hallelujah all right so if there's any question on your heart if there's anything you'd want to ask about you are at liberty your hand is up you are at liberty to share with us ask us and we'll Thank help you, so you much, Pastor. i was praying for question and answers you are praying for question yeah. and answers <laughs> The Lord has answered your prayers. <laughs> okay, so this question is about um, shepherding. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> at what point in time, or at what point in time exactly, or can you explain to us when the nature of the relationship between you and your sheep becomes such that your sheep must now look for you? The sheep, your sheep must, must now, now look, look for you. Yes. For you. Like I don't know whether you get like there's a point where you you are tendering and nurturing and raising the sheep so you are going after, after, after the sheep in a certain way. Is there a point where we have come to the point where the expectation is that the sheep must now look for you in a certain way maybe uh, how, how do I put it? I don't know whether it, it, it I understand you. Yes. I understand your question perfectly. There, there are some portions of scripture which say like your children shall come from afar and see you. at what point does the, <laughs> does the dynamics of the relationship change? Such that, for example, I remember sometimes you were teaching and you passed the comment like, there's a point where your father doesn't come and look for you. You, you go and look for your father and you don't go empty handed. But before he even became your father, at, before that point, he came to look for you. Uh-huh. So what, what is the nature of the, dynam- of the dynamics in that kind of, when does the trans- transition take place? And how do you handle it? I don't know whether, trying to put the question very well. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's a very wonderful question. Uh, it's part of growth. If you, look up a, if you look at a sheep's life, at a point in a sheep's life, the sheep stops following the mother. I mean, the lamb stops following the mother. The lamb now feeds on his own, goes on his own. It's gotten to maturity, and it's also expected for that lamb to also produce and have lambs follow him. Follow her, I mean. And as time goes on, it's a cycle, it's part of it. And it's a, it's, a, it's a natural thing that happens. Okay, there are different stages of growth, of maturity for Christians. There's the babyhood stage, um, brave force. There's freshly born baby, first Peter 2, 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That's when the, the baby is, I mean, you are, you are a babe. We have to come to you. You are... You are just born. We have to take care of you. We have to handle you, you know, and all that. Hallelujah. Then you move on. You cycle out. 
from that into another stage where you are, you are a young man. The Spideon and all that, but I want to skip all those stages. To a young man. When you get to the stage of a young man, a young man is the one who now has gotten to know that he has to seek the word. He has to get the word for himself. And it is observed. For instance, if you come on a Wednesday service on your own, I mean, you are cycling out of babyhood. It's, it's normal, it's natural. We, we, you'd, you'd observe that the person does not need your, your speech, your, your sweet talking to heed to certain instructions. The person now knows that he's supposed to heed to instructions and knows that he's supposed to. Elder Philip, when was the last time someone, a pastor visited you? Are you bothered about it? You are not bothered about it. You are concerned about those who, are with, who, are, who you are visiting more than you are about who visit you. Because you've understood that you are the church and you, must, you have a responsibility of helping others to grow. It's a stage. You know? So when that understanding is, is clear in the person's mind, let's read 1 John 2, let's read from verse um, 11. 1 John 2 from verse 11. You can listen to that series that I did. I think it's even on five minutes of Pastor T as well. Stages of maturity, I think, yeah. So you can, you can look at it from that place or get a full message. I preached a full message for a very long time on, on those things. I'm sure I'll pick it up one of these days and go through it with you. Hallelujah. First John chapter 2, verse 11. Let me try and see if I can reduce our reading. Okay? Okay, from verse 14. First John 2 is actually a write-up concerning various levels of spiritual growth. Okay? And in this basis, I have written unto you fathers. The word fathers is pater. Because you have known him that is from the beginning. The word known is epignosis. To have intimate relationship, practical knowledge of God. They've really had intimate relationship with God and have understood God who is love. So they relate on the basis of love. They don't relate on the basis of what you have done. They, can, they are those who can't hate anybody. It's impossible for them to hate. They can't hate no matter what you do, they can't hate you. And David got to that point. If you read in First Samuel, First Samuel, I think, uh, First Samuel chapter twenty-two, when Saul was chasing David, so they saw um, got into a certain cave, and David and his men were in that cave. Saul didn't know. They slept. Saul was the only one who was in that cave sleeping. All of his army generals were outside, and he was the only one in there. And all of David's men, the Bible says, encouraged David to kill him because this was the day that the Lord has been speaking of. You know, and they had every cause to say that because they had been they had been pursued by King Saul for years, and because of that, they couldn't be with their families in their homes in Israel, because of because of one man, they were in desert places. From Bible mentions how they were in trees and all that, living in trees and on trees, but just because of one man, and he's found in a cave with over two hundred people in the cave, and he didn't know that they were there. They were hiding in the cave, and he didn't know, and he was sleeping in the middle of the cave. So they told David, brother, this is it. Slaughter him and everything will be fine. This is the day that the Lord has made. You shall surely be glad and rejoice in it. But David said, I cannot touch the anointed. I cannot touch the Lord's anointed. So he, he took a portion of his skirt. The following morning when Saul went out, he showed him his skirt and told him that, my Lord, who, has, who are those who are telling you that David hates you and David wants to kill you? Why are you chasing me? You know, and before he started talking, the Bible says that David bowed himself to the ground. Someone who has been chasing you for years. You, near, you got him, you were supposed to kill him. You didn't kill him. When he got out and you came out of the cave, so you bowed down and worshipped him and called him. He called him father. My father saw. Why are you chasing me? 
He spoke so passionately, Saul cried and went back home. David could not hate him. Can you imagine when Saul died? David wept. The Bible says that he made a great lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan. They can't hate. So fathers, no matter what, they are the ones who can't hate anybody in the church. No matter what they did against them. Some people write letters against them and do all kinds of things. They can't hate. It's not possible. They care more about your soul than what you do. That was the level Jesus was on. When even though they were crucifying him and beating him and doing all that, that's a peak of spiritual growth. He said, forgive them. Because they don't know what they do. You would think it's only Jesus who can get there. When Stephen was also dying, he made similar comments. He said the same thing. Forgive them, Lord, for they don't know what they do. Don't let it, don't put it to their account. And he died. I mean, if you were him, what do you think you would be saying? I mean, so you should see the level upon which the church in the country is. is on. Most of the people in the church or in the country are on that level where they retaliate instead of forgiving and loving and, and flowing without irrespective of what is going on. That's where the pates, the, the fathers are. Since I've written unto you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. Who is he who is from the beginning? The one who is called love. First John 4, 8. God is love. And then First John 4, uh, 16. You see, go to First John 4, 16. And we know, we have known and believed the, the love that God has to us. He says God is love. Not God is a lover. God is love. Okay, go to verse 8. You see it there in verse 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So the fathers are those who have gotten to know God into details. And who is God? God is love. They are those who have gotten to understand love into details and are willing and ready not to hate at any point in time in their lives. That's the fathers. Now, the young men are those. So go back to that place in 1 John 2, verse 14. I was saying, but he that hated, hated his brother is in darkness. Hmm? That's another one. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong. Then he says, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. You are strong. And the word of God abideth in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. You have overcome the wicked one. That's very powerful. The word of God abides in you. So the word of God controls them. They don't need to be told. They heed to instructions. They follow instructions. They just flow. Yeah. And you see it. You see it. So at that point, you now you realize you have to. And you start giving him responsibilities. You do this. You do that. That's how the church is run. The church is run with instructions and responsibilities. And those who are responding are the ones who are maturing. Responding and displaying love in the response. Not displaying... <laughs> remorse and uh, reservedness in heeding to instructions. Okay, so at that point, you can that's a son who will start looking for you. You don't need to. He will start seeking the word because he's full of the word and he would want to go where the word is. Okay? He would want to go where the word of God is. Hallelujah. I've answered your question. Yeah, so at that point um because his hands are full of responsibilities. What you need to do is to guide him a little bit, just a little bit, so that he doesn't, because he may make mistakes if you leave him completely. But as time goes on, you don't, you don't need to be with him 24 hours. He, every now and then you come. He himself will know that he has to call you. He himself will know that he has to come around. He himself will know that, hey, this person is very important in my life. They understand what a pastor is in, in, in their lives. They have that understanding. They have knowledge concerning those things. And uh, the pastor doesn't need to search for them. The pastor doesn't need to call them. They will call. They will come. 
they'll come with questions. They'll come with uh, things to do. Pastor, I want us. I think this this is very good. I think it would be great if we did it. You know those things, and you you just know that oh, this person is okay. We can move on because if the babies are not getting out of the cots, we will not. We can't get new babies. So it's very important that a lot of churches are full of babies, even though they have been in the church for a long time. In that case, that's when they call them nephews. Okay, nephews. The, the Greek word for children in that particular uh, case is nephews. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, and uh, it says, when I, was, when I was a child, I speak as a child. That's nephews. It's, it's a stage in the growth of a believer. But when a believer is not growing beyond a certain stage, he's always referred to as a nephews. Okay, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, it says that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and by the state of men and the cunning craftiness whereby the lying which deceive. The word children there is, you can check it, it's nephews. Children who are tossed to and fro by anything that comes, they're just tossed to and fro. They are expected to have grown, but then they, 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 those are the people that can leave churches when something, an offense because of something that happened. Something happened, so I'm not happy. I'm leaving. You may have stayed in the church for 20 years, but you, you can just leave. Anything can just take you out. Because you are still a child. I was sick and nobody came to look for me. So because of that, I'm not going to go to, the, to church anymore. There are a lot of people, there are professors who behave like that. Professors in churches who behave like that. Yeah. All the church cares about is my money. You know? When I was giving, they were okay. When I stopped giving, they, now they don't mind me anymore. But if you realized, um, it's, it's difficult to keep up. Okay? Because we are conquering new territories. We are going for, you must join the army instead of being at home. When you are at home, you don't see what is happening. But when you are in the army and we are conquering, you, you are so busy, your, your sword is full of blood. Okay, your sword is full of blood. You are not concerned about some things. Will you, will you be concerned about who stepped on your toes in the battleground? <laughs> will you be concerned? Will you be concerned? As you are fighting Gideon, and then someone says, hey, 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 hey. I'm going home. What are you talking about? You know, we are going home. How? How do you mean? What are you talking about? We are fighting. It is natural to step on your toes. When we are fighting, an arrow just comes without you noticing and chooks your tie. Yeah. So when you are involved in a battle, offenses is not as, it's not part of your plans, not part of your ideas at all. They step on your leg, you are still fighting. Your, your blood. Sorry? You, are, you thank God that you are not dead. That's what you'll be thanking God for instead of insulting somebody that a person stepped on your toes. Hallelujah. Yeah, so it's a, it's a natural, and everybody must get there. There's a point coming when, for instance, so I mean, right now, sometimes it was Pastor Princess who was handling you, isn't it? Helping you and all that. Right now, when was the last time she called you? See, she's laughing. Do you think she hates? She doesn't hate her. She knows she doesn't hate her. We are all now, we are all in the war together. Do you have children that you are w- working on? You are busy with the children. You come all the way from confirmation to this place. Because your responsibility is here. You could have been at Asafoche, but you, you, you are here. That's where your responsibility So you come and come and do your responsibility and go back. You don't ask us for lawyer fare, do you? <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, so it's, it's gradual. At, at a point, you just cycle out of the court. Someone else comes in 
person is raised and sent out. So you would know. You would know. You would know. With a response. The response of the sheep. You would know. Okay? There are some of you who are under observation to be made elders without your own knowledge. You don't know. Some of you are under observation to become pastors, but you don't, you don't even know. We are, watching, we are watching what you will do. Some of you have been watching for more than one year. You don't know. You've just been watching you like this. <laughs> Giving responsibilities that you don't think is anything. We'll watch how you handle them. And we'll see your commitment to the house of God. Because we can't just handle power over to you. We hand power over to you. You either abuse it or misuse it. Or underuse it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Please, does it make sense? Yes, so it's a place you would know. You would know gradually. You would just know. Oh, this person, right now, we don't need to call him. Before you call, the person is, the person is being blessed. The person is flowing. It's in the, the person has caught the spell of the house. It's moving. Okay? You don't need to invite the person for any program. He's cleaning the place for the program. How do you invite somebody like that? Yeah, and it's, it's basically the desire of the... There are certain things that the Bible mentions, okay? Let, let's look at some. Acts chapter 6. When they were going to make deacons, what did they do? In Acts chapter 6 from verse, um, from verse 1. Let's read it. Acts chapter 6 from verse 1. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a memory of the Christians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in their daily ministration. It's always, it's always physical things that brings problems in churches. And it's, it has to do with money... You know, those things. When this person was doing his wedding, you gave him something. You didn't give me anything. You know, such things. <laughs> do, you, do you understand my, 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 my message? Or you don't understand? Such things. Like, oh, when this person was getting married, everybody was all over the place. And then, someone was getting married some time ago. And someone called me that. When this other person was getting married, you were announcing it continuously. Why are you not announcing this one? I'm not hearing anything. Why? I said, oh, we have been announcing it, okay. We have. We have. Don't worry. We are announcing it. But it will not come the way you think. Because this person, we are not all the same. Don't expect what happened for this person to be happening the same way for you. We are not all the same. You understand? Uh-huh. Or you don't understand that particular fact too. We are, we are all God's children, yes. In the house of God, Yes. But we are not the same. <laughs> we are unique. That's what I'm trying to say. We are unique. Okay. What may bother one person? I know what will bother Pastor Alex. And I know what will not bother him. I know what he doesn't think about. You would think he's thinking about it. He's not thinking about it at all. You wonder, ah, why? He's not thinking. His mind is not even there. You get it? So I can decide to sacrifice some things with respect to him. And he'll be okay. When the right time comes, I'll sort him out. And he'll not even know that I'm sorting him out because of what I skipped the last time. He's fine. But there are some people, if you don't do something for them, you're in trouble. That's what I mean when I say we are not all the same. Because we are all on different levels of growth. One day one man saw a vision concerning Jesus with certain individuals. The first person Jesus met, he went to him, hugged him, kissed him, and encouraged him. 
to be in the faith. Was talking to her, him, kissed him, held him for a long time. The second person, when Jesus saw him, he went to him and shook him and left. The third person, when Jesus saw him, he waved at him. <gasps> How are you? He waved at him. The fourth person, when Jesus saw him, he did this. <laughs> and passed by. He did this. And passed by. Who, who is closest to Jesus? Who is closest to Jesus? Which one? The last one. The last one. Why do you think it's the last one? It's in the battle. I'll be you know that. What's up? Everything is cool. We understand. I don't need any physical whatever to believe in. The first guy is the worst of them all. He needs a hug. He needs a hold. He needs to be spoken to. He needs to be... That's, the, that's what I'm talking about. So if you don't do something for him and you, you, you even wave him excitedly, it's, he's not satisfied. You wave him excitedly. Hey, how are you? He's good to see you. It's good to see you. But he's offended. You think you have done your best. But if you ah, you should have come to come and hug me, help me, kissed me on my cheeks and be happy with me and all that. Why didn't you do? That's the worst of them all. The matured ones, they don't need, they don't need those things. They understand. A wink is enough. They understand. Hallelujah. Yeah, so that's how it is. That's what I mean when I say we are, we are different. Because we are on different levels of maturity. Okay? Different levels of maturity. So, there are some things, there are some people when they are, it's like, hey, Charlie, let's do it for the person. This, right now, if we don't do it, we'll give him a course to hit all pastors. So let's do what we are supposed to do for him. Let's do our best. We'll do it for you. But there are some, we know, they know, everybody understands. Yeah, everybody understands. Everybody, they know what's going on. They know the conditions. They are what? They are asked to be a rasta in the church. Hallelujah. <laughs> do you know there are ministers who are small boys? Spiritually speaking, we can go for a minister. We can go for a minister's conference, and uh, if you don't put some people on the front seat, you'll be in very, you'll be in very serious trouble. You can't. They won't, they won't come the next time. The next day they will not come. Or you don't mention it, and they'll never come. Why didn't you acknowledge me? Oh yes, I went for a minister's conference somewhere recently. And there was a seat in front. We were sitting in front. Okay. Someone asked for something. So I stood up. My seat was the last but one seat. Or the last. I think the last seat on the edge. On the front row. So my tablet was on it. My stuff on it was on it. So I stood up to say something to this person. When I came, my tablet had been taken away by another minister. Sat on it and put my tablet somewhere. I had to restrain myself. I was out of 14. <laughs> I had to restrain myself. So I was going to get angry. Then I said, hey, I'm not supposed to get angry. So I just said, oh, sir, please, that's, that's my tablet. Because just maybe in a split of a second. And he just came and came to submit. Yeah. And guess what? He's a very senior man of God. Very senior man of God. It's not a small thing. But he couldn't stay somewhere else. It's like he's destined for that seat. Yes, it's like, I don't, I don't qualify, I have to get out. So I just took my went to sit somewhere else. And everything, I was fine. I was like, oh. I didn't, so later on I was told that he's a very senior man. I said, oh, I nearly 40 more. <laughs> yeah, you'd be surprised. 
are the sabotages that people get involved in. You'll be shocked. Even ministers. It's the fact that someone is a pastor does not mean that he's climbed. Pastoring does not mean you've climbed up to the highest development in terms of spiritual growth. You are first of all a Christian before you're a pastor. And your Christian life must be intact. There are a lot of pastors who don't read their Bible for themselves. They read their Bibles to come and preach. No, you have made a very big mistake. What will happen to you when the church is taken away? What will happen to you when everybody goes away? What will you do? What will happen if there is no church and if you've preached your last message? Because you don't have a relationship with the one you are working for. You must have a relationship with him. It's personal. It's between you and him. It's not about praying 35 hours. No. What is your relationship with the Lord? How is it like? That's what you are graded upon, not your pastor. As a pastor ministry, it's a profession. People do it. Or you don't know. People do it. It's a profession. People do it. People are paid for it. And they don't really care about a lot of things. But what makes a difference is your personal life, your personal relationship. And that is what causes you to grow. That's where Christian maturity increases. And when that increases, the pastoral work becomes very easy. There are people whom you can't approach as pastors because they hate the people. Haven't you seen pastors who don't like people? Oh, you've never seen that before? You are blessed. You are in a church where every pastor seems to like everybody. In some churches, it's not like that. You can't just approach the pastor. His job is to preach. So when he finishes, he just gets exits through the closest door. He's not going to stay. A lot of pastors don't sit down after service for people to come and talk to. If you want to talk to him, <laughs> queue and bring your counseling, book appointment and come with your counseling. They don't like the people. And they do that because they don't like the people. They, they don't care about you. They care about your money or something else. But you, they don't really care about you. They may never visit you in the hospital or whatever. I mean, some of the closest, they can just give people up. They can just give people up because it's not going to do, it's gonna, it's not going to do much to him. You get it? Yeah, he will, so he will never mind you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, someone else is going to ask a question. Oh, Yeah, King has a question. You can, you can take your seat and, and ask. And ask. Thank you, Pastor. Yes. Uh, Pastor, please, I want to ask this question. Uh, the stage where, uh, let's say uh, you have some colleagues back then, and you do stuff with them, so they really know who you are, like your bad side. Yeah. And your bad side. You don't have a bad side anymore. Yeah, your, your old past. Yes. The old man who is yes. dead in Christ, in God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and right now, they are suffering from a certain like let's say they are suffering in the world and you really want to help them but they don't see you to be anybody despite maybe sometimes they know you are spiritual but they know your spirituality counts on something uh-huh, your old man so how do you break that form of familiarity and how do you deal with such people the victim of familiarity cannot be responsible for breaking the familiarity you, you can't it's, it's actually one direction they are supposed to readjust their image in order to be able to see you differently. Even Jesus suffered from it. Jesus suffered from this particular, he was, he was victimized along this line. Yes, His own brothers didn't believe him. They believed in him after his resurrection. And they realized that, hey, it's like our brother was really God. Though. <laughs> our brother was really God. Our brother was really God. The guy they were playing soccer with, playing the sand with, was God. And he didn't know. It was after his resurrection. And he even appeared to them. He appeared to one of them before they, they believed. They didn't believe. They were familiar with him. If you read John chapter 7, you'll be shocked at the discourse that Jesus had with his brothers. 
You say you are something. Who does something and hides it in secret? You are talking to God. He created them. Who does things and keeps it? If you say you are doing something, go and let your disciples see what you are doing. What is your problem? Every time you say you are, you are something, but you are hiding. You are always hiding. And Jesus spoke back to them. <laughs> Jesus didn't say, oh, no. He said, my brothers, you shouldn't be talking like that. Don't you know? I'm, I'm the son of God. You have to follow me. You have to really follow me. You can't compel anybody to follow you. Not at all. They were, he was senior to all of them. And they were, you can look at it. John chapter 7. It's a very interesting discourse. It was the day Jesus was preaching. You should, you should see how it was. Jesus was preaching in Mark chapter 2. And his mother and his brothers came. What do you think they were coming to? Do you think they were coming to have a peaceful discourse? There were some things he was supposed to do in the house he had not done. So they came. Yeah, they came. How can you leave the ministry and leave the things in the house and come and you are doing this? That, they didn't come for the meeting. Mark chapter 2. You think I'm joking. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. From verse 31. I think I read this just a few days ago. On Sunday, I think. There came then his brethren and his mother and standing without. There was a meeting he was having. They came standing without. And they sent unto him. They sent somebody. They found somebody. Hey, hey, call, call that preacher for us. Ah, then the person said, ah, who are you talking about? Jesus. The miracle worker. Yes. <laughs> Bring him. Tell him his mother and his brothers are here. <laughs> then came his brothers. There came then his, brother, his brethren and his mother and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, your, your mother and your brethren without seek for thee. Look at Jesus' reply. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? This is serious family quarrels. Or you are not seeing it. See, who is my mother or my brethren? Then he pointed to them, and he looked round about on them which sat about him and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. These are my mother and my brethren. Not those people standing outside. Next verse. For whosoever shall do the will of my father, of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother, meaning that those outside were not doing the will of God. Yeah. Those are the ones who are my brothers and my mothers and my whatever. Yeah. You see. We, and it had to take resurrection for that familiarity to be familiarity is a very very big demon very serious thing if you are not careful you will never be blessed because you are familiar you know all the ins and outs of the person that's why it's very difficult for pastor's wives to be blessed because pastor's wives can be familiar if you have a wife who is not familiar it's, a, it's the biggest blessing you can have I'm blessed hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah? my wife can come and see me and tell me can you help me with this thing I saw this can you help me there are some pastor's wives as the pastor is preaching, oh no, no, no. serious. Once the pastor is busy preaching, oh, just recently I met a pastor whose wife. Was would fight him right in church as he's preaching. It got that bad. He she could throw things at him whilst he's preaching. I'm not joking with you. His wife would throw things at him in church. In at home is even worse. Anything she grabs, I mean, anything she grabs, can just pastor's wife. You should see them when they got married. It was not a small thing. Very nice wedding. 
Very, very nice wedding. Very two lovely people, but you don't know what happened. Or have we got too familiar? Yeah. So familiarity, it's a very, very big demon. You will never see the good in a person. So you can help them. What you can do is to pray for them. That's all. But don't make it your business to be moving around them. You become even more familiar. And the familiarity will move to the level where they can throw things at you. And then degrade you in a certain way or say bad things about you right in front of your face. You see, it's one thing when people say they are shy of it, so they say it behind you at your back. But when they start saying it, oh, Jimmy, for you should know that it has moved to another level altogether. Hallelujah. So in John chapter 7, let's read John chapter 7 just to help with the, with the answer. John chapter 7, we can read from verse 1. To be great from verse 1. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee. For he would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. Why do why you think they sought to kill him? Familiarity. He didn't believe what he was saying. You small boy, you have come, you say what? Before Abraham was, I am. What's wrong with you? Are you crazy? Yeah, they didn't. I mean, up to date, you should see some Jews talking about Jesus. You'll be shocked. The one you consider God and know is God and worship and venerate, they insult. They'll tell you he was drunk when he was talking. You'll be surprised. They call him the capital son. They don't see him as how you see him. Messiah of what? Messiah of what? No, 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 he's not. Yeah. Next verse. Now the Jesus' feast of tabernacles was at hand. In other words, it was happening. It was very close. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence. Let's read a, 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 a message. Maybe a message you say it with the, with the new words that are around. His brother said, Why don't you leave here and go up to the feast so your disciples can get a look, a good look at the works you do? <laughs> You're advising him. Why, why don't you go? Next verse. No one who intends to be publicly known does everything behind the scenes. If you are serious about what you are doing, come out in the open and show the world. Jesus. <laughs> it's not written there, but it's, it's there. His brothers were pushing him like this because they didn't believe in him either. They didn't believe in him. So if, it, if they didn't believe, then all that we have read, this is how it's actually, it's actually supposed to be read. Go back once again. <laughs> From verse 2. Let me read it in the, in the pastor version. Go to verse 2. It was near the time. Go to verse 3. Like, Why don't you live here? And go up to the feast so your disciples can get a good look at the, 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 the works you do. No one who intends to be publicly known does everything behind the scenes. Eh? What, what are you doing here? I thought, we thought you are something. You, what are you doing here? You say you are something. You are here in this corner. Ah, you are doing one corner things. Go, 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 go and go and let's go and let's see. Oh, yoga. Recently, I heard that you turned what time to one. Hey, 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 hey. Are you sure it wasn't? You didn't do something to the thing. Hey, you brought you brought jolly juice into the thing. <laughs> ah, they didn't believe squat. They didn't believe anything. Oh yeah, magic. Eh? They didn't believe him. Look at look at what Jesus said. Look at what Jesus said. Your time is all. Oh, he said he told them all. Oh, your every time is your time. Me, my, I'm, I don't. I deal with the time of God. Go to verse 6. Jesus came back at them. Do you understand that phrase? When we say someone comes back at you, a rebuttal. Yes. This is arguments. 
argument, rebuttal. Don't crowd me. This isn't my time. It's your time. It's always your time. You have nothing to lose. You can go. You have nothing. You can go. Yes, serious battles. Next verse. The Lord has nothing against you, but it's up in, in arms against me. It's against me because I expose the evil behind his pretensions. Next verse. You go ahead. Go up to the feast. Don't wait for me. I'm not ready. It's not the right time for me. Can you imagine when your brothers don't believe what you're doing? It's not a small thing. Nobody in your family believes what you are doing. Yeah, so um, it's not everybody who believes you. And you, the earlier we learn to accept that, the better. We, you go where you accept it. You go where God wants you to go. Do you know that the Jews hated Paul with all of their hearts, but received Peter with all of their hearts? The same Jews, they hated. They were saying the same thing. When Paul is talking, the Lord, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Who, who, who is this guy? The Bible says that hey, they, there was a day there was serious uproar in Ephesus. Nobody understood what was happening. They were just making noise all over the place, throwing sand into the air like this because of one person. The whole city. And the governor of the city came and came to speak to them and said, So, what's going on? He said, oh, Someone is talking about that, the fact that Diana is not the greatest. But we say Diana is the greatest. I said, who doesn't know Diana is the greatest? We know. Why, 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 are, you, why are you making a fool of us? Everybody go home. And it's, but it disbanded the whatever. The everybody went home. Hallelujah. They threw sand into the skies. When Paul was talking, the they, 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 at a point they, they listened to him for a while. I said, I, I, I call a Jew. <laughs> it was not. Paul, Paul suffered at the hand of the Jews. And he called the Jews a thorn in my flesh. He called them a thorn in my flesh. Yeah. That thorn he was talking about is actually the Jews. Because they destroyed every single work of this. Read Acts chapter 17, you see it. Every city they hear he's in, they'll go there. <laughs> there are people who have sworn that until Paul dies, they will not eat. They shoved their head, heads and swore that until this guy dies, we will not eat. Lying in wait for him in every corner. The Paul who went to Damascus was going to Damascus on horses with boldness, with letters from the, 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 the high priest to arrest, exited Damascus through a basket out of a window. That was how he exited Damascus. Yeah. So it's not everybody who believes you, and you have to accept it. So Paul went to the Gentiles. In some places, Paul would go in Acts chapter 13. When Paul preached to the Jews, he preached to them, preached to them. They didn't, they didn't receive him. They insulted him. Then he shook off the dust of his feet and shook his dressed like that and said, you, go away. Your blast be on your point, upon your head. We are going to the Gentiles. When the Gentiles heard that the, words, the word of God was for them, they said, hey, we like you. They received him. And Paul stayed with them. You go away, I said, don't push. There are some friends who will never believe you. There are some friends who, after some years, when you have become very big, they will insult you and say, oh, this is When they mention who? But you are a big man now. But they never see you as anything else apart from a foolish person that you were when you were younger. Who is not foolish when he's young? Ask your neighbor, how, was you when, how, were you when, how were you when you were young? Were you foolish? You do realize that you did some foolish things. But we can't look at you with that eye every time. You get it? Yeah. So our parents do well, actually. Our parents do well when we grow up 
and we have to get our independence, and they give us our independence and appreciate us and respect us. It's not a small thing. They do very, very well. You have to respect your parents for that. Yeah. I see my son. Sometimes when I'm, when I'm, I look at him, I'm like, hey, this guy, very soon he grew up, uh, he'll be having chats with me, telling me his mind that, Daddy, I think we should do it like this. And I will have no option but to agree with him and continue with our lives. That's how it is. That's how God designed it. Hallelujah. Yeah, so that's, that's the answer for you. Any other? Yeah. Thank you, Pastor. Pastor, please, quest to home to end Christ, what role does your personality play in it? And if it does, like with your personality, how, how does your personality help you mature in the Lord? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. When you say personality, I'm sure you are talking about temperaments, uh, cholerics, sanguines, and all that. Nobody actually categorized them. It was a psychologist who did that. Okay? We are, actually, we are all actually supposed to look like one man. He's called Jesus Christ. Display the different uh, manifold wisdom of God. Okay? Like I always say, like I, I've said today, my wife mentioned, we are all children of God, but we are all not on the same level of growth. When the end is just one person, Christ, we have to love like him, and it's not something we are told to uh, conform to by virtue of our efforts. Okay? The conformation to the image of Christ outwardly is as a result of our inward bearing of his image. We, we are him inwardly. As he is, so are we in this world. We are him inwardly. You get it? Huh. So what is inside us is what is growing on the outside for us to put on on the outside. So when the Bible says put on Christ, he's talking about what is inside you, living from within, without. Okay? Now, the fruit of the Spirit is not... The Bible doesn't say... And the fruit of the Spirit is love in cholerics. And it's this in this book. No, all of us uh, are to become one person. However, it is clear that in our flesh dwells a certain kind of difference. You realize we all think differently, yet we are to think in the same way. So in your quest to um, conform to the image of Christ or uh, uh, put on the word completely and think in terms of the word, you must make efforts to drop what you don't see in the word. <laughs> so if there's anything that your personality will aid you, if there's any place that your personality will aid you in terms of conforming to Christ, it's about you noticing what is in the word that you are not doing and doing it. I don't know if I'm making sense. If you, because some of us are naturally, naturally speaking, we are naturally nice people. You know that? Uh, there are people who are, me, I'm naturally nice. Naturally. So those who always talk about my personality, my temperament, are people who don't focus on the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit knows you, and he knows how to help you to conform to Christ. Because if you look into the scriptures, there's nothing like that there. People have given the apostles temperaments. When they themselves didn't mention their temperament, 
did he? He said that Peter was sanguine because he talked a lot. Maybe there were other disciples who talked a lot, but Peter was, Peter's words were more sensible. That was why they were documented. <laughs> you never know. It's very, very possible. Hallelujah. Yeah, so don't, oh, don't. It's good. I like, to, I like to know about that as well, so that you know who you are dealing with. Okay? Like I mentioned, there are some people who can do some things. Okay? There are some people who can. I know the people around me. I know who to assign to certain things. But it's, for, it's on a certain, because at a certain period, I'm expecting everybody to be able to do some things. And with time, they are able, everybody is able to do it, irrespective of how their seeming temperament is or how their personality is. They're able to do it anyway. But the rate, the pace at which I would expect one person to get it is not the same pace at which I would expect the other person to get it. Yeah. So you should rather look into the word and see what it is that is not so good about your personality as just opposed with the personality of Christ. And then start conforming. Conform. Allow the Holy Spirit to help you. Okay. I don't know if I've answered it well. Great. 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 So that's, that's how it is. That's how it is. Okay. I used to be, can you imagine, being hot like that, when I used the Holy Spirit, after a while, I became very cool. I became too cool, actually. Too cool. Like, I like you too cool. <laughs> yeah. But after a while, I had to become hard, but for the right reasons, for the right, in the right direction. When I'm supposed to be hard, I'm hard. When I'm supposed to be cool, I'm cool. I have leaders who are afraid of me. Because I've been very hard on them. And how did they, when they see me now, they open their arms. Ah, Pastor. There are some people, I have to go and look for them and hug them. Because I've done them wild in time past. So they think that when I said I'm going to do them wild. But I'm not going to do anything. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Um, I think Pastor has said a lot. When the, you, you receive the Holy Spirit, He changes your temperament or should I say your personality to suit, like, to get as close, or should I say to conform you to that of Jesus Christ. Because if um, I personally was very timid, you understand, very afraid of everything. I was timid, I was afraid of everything. I wouldn't want to stand in front of people. I would always want to be at the back. I was afraid of everything. But when I received the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit changed that. The Holy Spirit pushed me to do things, you know, to come out, not be afraid, speak, you know, like that. So I think you should not wrap your so-called person. So I, I used to tell Pastor that I didn't used to read those sanguine things because I didn't believe in it. I believe that the Holy Spirit changes you as and when is needed because even with me becoming when I came out I, I became very tough and then the Holy Spirit had to teach me how to also um, should I say blunt those edges and balance it so as you grow you go through different phases of your growth and it goes with your character if you allow the Holy Spirit to do it you understand so you, you keep learning, learning how to communicate with people, learning how to relate with people. The Holy Spirit just keeps molding you. So you don't say that me there I am. I don't even know what group, what is it? I don't even, I don't put myself in 
a box or in a hole or anything. But basically, because we are dealing with people, we we read that just to have an idea of the different characteristics. But I don't let, I won't say that let those characteristics define you. That as for me, this is how I am. And otherwise, then you will not grow. You will not grow and you will not see any growth because you have said that this is how you are. So come what may, that is all. You are not allowing the Holy Spirit to influence your life, to cause you to grow. Amen. Recently, I was having a counseling session with uh, two of our wonderful brethren abroad. And we were doing an online counseling. And the guy asked a question. He said, Pastor, I've heard people say that change is very difficult in marriage. So is it that you can't, so you, nothing can happen? People don't change. He says, people don't change. I said, oh, you don't marry someone with a mindset that I'm going to change the person. That's what I want you to struggle because you have taken it upon yourself. God's job, you have decided that you'll do it. And you'll be in trouble. Assistant what? Assistant Holy Spirit. That's what you have become. You have trouble. But when you marry, you must believe. Because marriage is by faith. You don't know how the person will turn out in the next 10 years. <laughs> ah. You have not seen some before. Eh? What was it? Recently, I saw some people who had been married for about 32 years. Now they were angry with each other. Yeah. They came to my mother for my mother to come and to sit on the case. My mother sat on the case for four years. Yes, my mother was sharing with me and what we're sharing ideas as to how to get, go about it. You know, the guy says that her, his wife has become too fat. That's the basic reason. He's become, she's become too fat. She has to control it. She's, con- she's not controlling it, which is too much. It doesn't make sense, doesn't it? The man has changed to become something else. Anyway, so when, when, because, because change is the foundation of Christianity. The born again experience is the is the is the first contact to a whole world of change. Romans chapter twelve, verse two, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. The word transformed is metamorpho, and metamorpho is where we get the word metamorphosis. A metamorphosis is a great change from being a, an egg to becoming a butterfly. If you see the egg and you see the butterfly, you will not believe when they tell you that the butterfly came out of the egg. That's the kind of change we are supposed to undergo. So change is very essential. So when you put something upon yourself, I am choleric. Ah, so that is it. That's what you are. I am sanguine. That is it. No, you must learn. If you're sanguine, you must learn when to be quiet because the Bible says that we should study to be quiet. It's in the Bible. It says study to be quiet. I mean, where do you play Jesus? Was Jesus a choleric? Was he a phlegmatic? Was he a sanguine? There are days when Jesus preached. Uh, for, for days, three days, he was preaching. Is he a sanguine? Does that mean that he's a sanguine? There were days when he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, not talking to anybody. So what, what does that want to mean? That was the day he saw people and he was moved with compassion upon them. Another day he saw people and he got angry, he took belts and all that and lashed everybody. I mean, so how will you place him? There are times it's Holy Spirit controlled. You must be Holy Spirit controlled. As many as are led by the sons of God, by, by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It's the leadership of the Spirit that is the most important, not what you claim to be because you actually don't know yourself. You know you don't know yourself. 
Do you know you even forget your own face? Can you remember how you look like, really? Do you remember how you look like? Sometimes even your voice. Do you remember how you look like? How many of you remember how you look like? It's very difficult. They give you a pen and tell you, draw yourself. You are an artist. They give you, no, you are an artist. They tell you, draw yourself. You'll be surprised at how many mistakes you make. And so, we saw a child who had drawn some various artists. Do you remember? <laughs> I just remembered one guy who had, he had, he had drawn. It was too, the difference was too much. Do you remember? He put the picture here and then the, the drawing. Oh, it was too bad. It was too bad. They have to give him an Oscar. He did a wonderful job. Hallelujah. Yeah, so change is very important. And uh, we are all to change to suit the image of Christ. And that's the foundation of Christianity. Okay? That's the foundation of Christianity. So no matter what you are today, believe that in the next few years you'll be, you'll be a better Christian. You'll be a better child of God, communicating well, more loving. And the, the basic aim is to grow in love. Hallelujah. To grow in love. So don't get stuck up with it. It's very, very important. Those who did that never really went on. They never changed. Because we're thinking from a point that was not in the Bible. For instance, there are a lot of people who go for a lot of marriage counseling, marriage conference, seminars. It should destroy your marriage if you're not careful. Because you start comparing. If you are, you are not smart and you are listening to a lot of marriage seminars, marriage seminars, you start expecting your husband to be something he's not supposed to be for you. You start hearing stories that will cause you to start thinking that your wife is supposed to be doing something in your life. And she's not doing it. Because the marriage counselor, the marriage seminar guy will be talking about something that he did for his wife or his wife did for him. And you, you, so you start. When I see some things being shared on Facebook, I know it's going to destroy people's marriages. I just know it. It's going to destroy people. You are not supposed to be listening to that. You are supposed to be listening to the word of God. You need a marriage seminar. Not, you need a word seminar, not a marriage seminar, really. And if the marriage seminar they are sharing with you is not... Not even not. I, should, I don't want to see it. Not based on the scripture. It's not scripture. It is very simple. Scriptures are very clear and very very straight concerning marriage. Husbands, love your wives. Period. Ephesians chapter five verse thirty one. It says, "In like manner, let every man so love his wife, and let the wife see to it that she reveres and submits to her husband." You can look at it. Ephesians chapter five verse thirty one. Very simple in plain words. Okay, for this question, a man leaves his father and mother and shall join himself to his wife. Next verse. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Finish. If you do this, you have a wonderful marriage. This is scripture. Whatever else is said that, is, that extrapolates too much away from the scripture is a problem. Oh, me and my husband, we are like partners. It is not supposed to be like that. <laughs> we are like partners. I, heard, I saw a video. Um, the man of God was saying that it's an abomination to call your husband by his name. And you are supposed to call your husband. He's your Lord. So it's, he used the word, it's an abomination to call him by his name. That's someone's distraction. That's the distraction of someone's marriage right there. Because in your house, your wife calls you Bob. <laughs> because that's how she met you. You get it? 
how does calling you Bob reduce your, if she reverences you and respects you and honors you and considers you in her, in her mind and does it physically? What, what, why should you be afraid? Why should you be worried? Do you get it? Yeah, there are some wives who don't respect their husbands. They treat them anyhow. They treat them as bola. Yeah, they just talk anyhow. Yeah, they don't think they are, they forget that they are men. You get it. There are some wives who forget that their husbands, they are, they are not living with a girl, they are living with a boy. <laughs> a lot of wives forget that. They forget that they are living with a man. He has, he has ego. And his ego must be nursed in a certain way. In order for him to be a man, it's testosterone, it's part of it. You get it. You must understand. And not treat him like a girl. Hallelujah. Probably when you are getting married, we'll tell you. Yeah. Tell you about so do what the word of God says. So, uh, there are some, some men of God who don't they don't talk about do they, if they are talking about marriage, this, this finish because that's what the word says. That's what the word says. And they've had wonderful marriages to date, they will not talk about whatever and I do this. And no, sometimes you have to be very careful. There was recently I was listening to a certain woman talk on very popular woman, she's from Nigeria. You know her, you know her. She was talking about something. One, one is, I said, no, 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 this one is not supposed to. But a lot of people, I, I saw about 80 million views. Yeah, and a lot of people have problems because they, are, they listen to that particular thing. Hallelujah. Yeah. It's not supposed to be like that. You said it boldly. It, it works between you and your husband. Doesn't mean that it will work between the other person and the husband. You have to be very, very careful. Okay? Your situation must conform to God's word, not the, other, not the other way around. Not the word conforming to your situation or your experience. Okay? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. So do the word. Conform to the word. Change to suit what the word says, irrespective of what you think your personality is. Definitely, because of the environment we're raised in, we are all raised differently. Okay? It's, it's, it's our environment, the society we're raised in, the people who raised us. It can cause you to be timid, confident, or very foolish, depending on where you were raised. Some people are raised to be foolish. They are not taught to say thank you, or please, or to be nice to people. They are taught to be, it's a teaching. They saw their parents do it, or their uncles, those who are around them doing it. So they picked it up, and that's how they become. You weren't actually born with a temperament inside. You pick it up as you are growing. When you, when you go to the... the they give the, they give, you give birth to the child. They have a lot of statistics, uh, vital statistics that they take. Do they take temperament as part of the statistics? They take... I don't know how to test it. When, probably when you hold a child's hand and a child pulls you in a certain or pinches you. Hey, choleric, choleric. It's nothing like that. Hallelujah. Yeah. They come as tabula rasa. There's nothing on there. They have to be taught. If you grow up in a home where they shout plenty, you grow up shouting. Oh, you don't know. You grow up shouting. If you grow up in a home where everybody is angry, when your mother is telling you to go and bring water, go and go and bring the water. That is how you behave. As you're growing, you you want pure water in school. And the water woman is giving you the water. And it's probably slowing down. Give me the water. Home. Your home just showed up. 
Basically, I mean nothing else. And it can change through the word. Change through the word. I'm constantly changing, and I like it. I want to change. I want to change to suit Christ some more. Yeah, transformed, metamorphosed to look like Christ some more. Every single day. I believe in it. I believe in it. I believe in it. Because that's what the word of God says. Okay? That's what, so you can become the best you that you can ever think about. Yeah, you can, be the, you can become the best you. You are different. You are very, you are unique. Your voice is different. Your temperance is different. There's nobody with your voice. There's nobody with your temperance. You are very different. You are unique. And Christ would want to display himself in you in a certain way. Okay? As the scriptures would want you to look like. As simple as ABCD. So however, your transformation is... Your, if yours is shooting the way, then we'll all be the same in respect of which country we come from. We'll all be the same. Oh, you don't understand? We'll all be the same. So when we meet, you realize that, ah, this is my brother. So just click. There's no selfishness, there's no greed, there's none of those things. They're just flowing. In temperaments, there's selfishness. There are temperaments that are some temperaments that are selfish. You know that? They are selfish. And that's not God, that's not from God. So if you cling on to it, you're in trouble. You grew up in selfishness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your temperaments are wicked. You're wicked. Most phlegmatists are wicked. They will not talk. Phlegmatists, melancholics, very wicked people. They are quiet. That's what they're doing. I just look here. They are the ones who strike once to death. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? They, They won't talk. As you are doing all those things, the anger is entering their fists. <laughs> go home and go and die punch. They'll punch you like this. Boom! And that is the end. And then they'll feel sorry later on. That's how they express the anger. Yeah, so I don't think that is right. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. I'm glad you came to church. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at ChristWorldINC.com. God bless you.